You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Well, uh, on Tuesday, last Tuesday, he's still uh, progressing after every uh, race. We do not really know uh, his limit. We are we're sure that uh, he will give his best and he will run very well. Do you believe that that he has the potential to be a to be a champion? Yes, yes, because he's a uh, he's a very easy horse during the race. He's always a bit lazy. He's uh, easy to ride, and yeah, I think he has everything uh, he needs to be a, a real champion. Yes. Quite a tussle running a big race. Now Adiar is paddling in front as Hurricane Lane comes to join in. Tonawa between the two. Quite a tassel on the outside in the yellow jacket. Has a fantastic chance. Three in line as they come to the line for Germany. Torquato Tass has won it. And it was the day when those wildest dreams became reality. Torquato Tasso, Germany's hero, stunned the racing world, but not, as you just heard, Julia Romick speaking on this podcast last Thursday, by taking the centennial. Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, and in so doing, lowering the colours of truly remarkable horses Tarnawa, Hurricane Lane, Adar, and Snowfall. Yes, this horse was a huge price. It did not confound everyone, least of all the racing posts, Maddie Playle, who joins me this morning. Maddie, I've not got you on this podcast simply to gloat, though you are uh, due all the congratulations for tweeting that you liked this horse a couple of days before. What we want to know is how and why did Torquato Tasso win the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe? Well, thanks, Nick. That's very kind. Um, you do need a lot of luck involved in these sort of things. But I, I played, I, you know, I can't come on here and say I thought he was necessarily going to win, but I just thought he was the wrong price. And I think we're very much guilty of underestimating the international form. And it's something that I really enjoy delving into. Take a look at that Grosso Priest von Berlin behind Alpinista. He's obviously gone on uh, to win another group one since how she would have fared in the arc as as well as the likes of wonderful tonight we'll never know but um so quite Tasso was second then sent off the favorite and if you watch that race uh things just didn't go his way and in the final furlong he really gathered his stride he tends to drift left-handed a little bit under pressure and you could just see that this was almost a missed opportunity for him but nevertheless a great run and the form's been boosted because Walton Street went on to win the Canadian International um, at Woodbine. Then uh, Tocato Tasso went on to win the Grosse Priest von Baden at Baden-Baden, beating Sisfahan, uh, this year's German derby winner. There was unfinished business with him. He hadn't yet shown what he was truly capable of. If you watched him in a race, he tended to do that sort of gathering his stride, drifting left slightly, but he had a really powerful finish over the a mile and a half. And I'd be confident you could put him over a mile and six, um, anything. But he just had something special about him in those closing stages. I feel like it was a unique power and that's what you happen to need in this year's arc. They didn't appear to go too fast early on, but the likes of Adi and Chronogenesis paid for making their move early on in the straight. 
And I must admit, I think the ride um, was fantastic. You know, Reni Pielicic got uh, Torquato Tasso in the perfect position from quite a wide draw um, and made use of his stamina in the straight, waited for the horse to find his stride and respond. And he did. And I thought it was a, a wonderful bit of horsemanship, produced him at the perfect time. And this is a huge win for, for Germany. As I say, they lost Adler Fluke um, not so long ago now. He passed away age 17 um, from the family of Galileo and see the stars. He was a, a brilliant horse on track and has had some real success at stud with the likes of Insweep, Ito, Iquitos, etc. Um, so this horse is, is really quite something. Um, and I would love to see him race on to see what else he could do. But He's, uh, he's silenced the doubters in the arc on Sunday, that's for sure. No doubters now. We'll be hearing from Peter Endress, the 77-year-old owner of this horse, in just a few moments' time. But first of all, what is the significance of this result for Germany? I've been speaking to the managing director of Deutsche Gallop, Daniel Kruger. It means a lot for all of us. And, um, yeah, German racing and breeding is a small family. And if I say family, it's really the truth. Most people know each other somehow, and uh, there were tears from so many people on Arc Day in Paris, and from even more people on the race courses in Hoppergarten and Düsseldorf. They had races on Sunday as well, and it's just amazing for everyone. Last time we spoke, we talked quite a lot d- during the pandemic about the effect of that on on German racing, on prize money, on the breeding industry. How much of a boost does this success give you? This is a big boost. We talked about the auction last time and we have the BBHG auction sale coming up next weekend and in fri- on Friday and Saturday and if it's time close to Baden-Baden where we have races as well for two days. And it's amazing that a small breeding nation like Germany is producing two ARC winners in the last 10 years and both were on sale at the auction for 9,000 and 24,000 euros. And why do you think that is? Um, why, why, why has that been possible? Yeah, as said last time, we are concentrating on breeding stayers and uh, we will never, I am pretty sure, breed a July Cup winner or a Stewart's Cup winner in England, yeah? And uh, what Germany is strong is the staying horses and Toccato Tasso is a prime example and we have the races like he won in Baden-Baden before, the Group 1 race, what is a wonderful arc trial for everyone. You had Marienbad winning it, and you had many other horses. Pilsatsky was winning it, and he finished second in the arc. And that route for a horse, you know, who to improve and, and measure slowly is perfect in Germany. And you have the raw materials, but you need the people to produce those raw materials as well. Germany's produced some wonderful trainers. How good do you think Marcel Weiss might be? It's amazing. And we are just talking about a young man training his second season. He started in 2019, he took over the license. He had only one runner in that year, because it was in October, November when he took out the license. And he had just uh, 22 winners last year, but he had an astonishing percentage runners to winners with around 24%, I would say. And this year he's even close to 20% runners to winners. And he's really concentrating on his horses. He had a lot of offers from people to join his stable, but he's just training 53 horses and I'm sure it will not be much more. 
Daniel Kruger there, Managing Director of Deutsche Gallop. Now, this horse is co-owned by uh, Peter Endres and his wife Helga of Gestut Auenkwelle, who also stand a couple of pretty notable stallions. This horse may yet join them. I caught up with the winning owner this morning, and he assured me that this had been a fairly well-hatched and long-held plan. It was, I think we, we had prepared the horse, uh, especially for the arc, uh, started relatively late in, in the season, and, uh, and he was... Uh, Really successful. Uh, one uh, group one race in Baden-Baden, and uh, and then uh, it was raining, and the ground was soft, and uh, that was uh, we thought that it was in favor of him. And uh, so I think uh, we, we went in the race uh, with all these uh, horses who are unbelievable from England, and uh, uh, it was uh, very difficult. I think it was one of the. the most difficult art to win uh, uh, yesterday because the horses from uh, uh, from the Maktums and uh, and from Aga Khan was uh, was really good. So uh, we was uh, I was uh, it was, was marvelous. I, I can tell you still uh, uh, about this experience. I'm 40 years in this business in in, in breeding horses and and uh, and let them run and um, but uh, to win them the arc in after this long time is, uh, is a, uh, a really absolutely marvelous thing. When, when did the dream begin with this horse? When did you really think we could train this horse up to the arc? You know, I bought this horse. We have not, uh, we have not uh, bred it. Um, and uh, one of the older trainer came to me and uh, your horse is not uh, galloping, it's flying. And uh, then we started start to uh, really think to have a good horse. And, uh, we started because of the COVID thing. We started uh, relatively late in the, in the uh, season, and uh, and then after two two races, uh, uh, we went in the in the German Derby and uh, came second in. And we know at that time that it was a very very good horse. So at, uh, and, and then uh, uh, he, he at the end of the day he had uh, now seven coupon races. One, two, uh, one, three of them uh, was uh, three times to second and uh, one third. So he was always placed in the group one races. So you know that is uh, uh, something special. Uh, when you when you finally come down to earth and, and realize that you you have won the the, the Prix de Lac de Triomphe, what what would be the plan now for for Torquato Tasso? I think uh, you. <laughs> If he, if he wins the arc, I think what he can do more, that's the question always. He's four years old and uh, we have to think about it. Uh, I've not made a decision. He has an invitation to the Japan, uh, Japan Cup, and, uh, but you know, the arc is from the uh, is, is, is C race in, in the world, if, if you want. Uh, it's not the highest prize money, but it is it's the most, uh, 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 the best, best, race, best race what he can win. So it's, uh, it's a question what uh, what you do is uh, um, maybe he can, he will start his career as a stallion. We, we don't know. We have not yet decided. How how important would he be as a son of Aldefluk, who sadly we don't have anymore? How important would Torquato Tassel be to the to the German breeding industry and indeed to your stud Gestut Aunquelle? Very important. Very important. I think I've talked with. Uh, uh, some uh, bigger breeders in, in Germany, and uh, uh, we have uh, some really good stallions in the moment. 
even in, in our country we have uh, Georgia Hollow and uh, and uh, uh, one one other stallion. Uh, but uh, after Luke died, you know that uh, who was a very successful stallion in in, in Schlenderhan. and so uh, a lot of breeders would be very happy if we uh, keep him in Germany. Uh, and will you definitely keep him in Germany? You're going to have big offers for this horse, no doubt, from across the globe. Uh, we, you know, we have not, we have not yet decided. Uh, um, I'm 77 years old, uh, uh, and um, okay, I, I still uh, uh, still very tough to go to go on. And uh, I think if if we keep him, uh, or if we, if we, uh, if he gets a stallion, uh, he will be in our class. In Germany. Peter Endres there and before Peter Daniel Kruger the the boss of German racing he was delighted clearly the whole racing nation thrilled with this success Maddie uh, um, but reading between the lines from what Peter Endres was saying there it appears as though Torquato or Tassel in terms of the wider public's recognition of him could be a one-hit wonder and he might be off to stud in Germany. Yeah, one-hit wonder. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I wrote in a jury for the Racing Post yesterday that if he wouldn't have been 80-1 to one and he wouldn't have won it, it would have been Tanawa, Hurricane Lane, Adiar, you know, Snowfall and Chronogenesis, both running huge races. We'd be saying this is the best arc for decades, but because he's won it, it sort of has that element of fluke about it for a lot of people. But I, I don't think this was a fluke, so that's why I'm disappointed that we won't see him. But ultimately, he's a four-year-old. He's raced throughout his three-year-old season and he has huge significance and importance to not just German breeders but breeders all over the world. Although he might not have necessarily been known to a lot of people coming into this race, he has got that beautiful pedigree and he has got a great race record and it must be almost irresistible for um, connections to, to think of going elsewhere now. Outside the winner, which horse enhanced his or her reputation the most for you? But yeah, I'd say immediately the one who I was intrigued by is, is Sealaway, purely because he outran his price. But I don't think there were many excuses for those in behind, really. I think it was a really deep, uh, competitive and strong arc where the big guns seem to produce their best. It's not often you see that. Usually one or two of them will, will tend to disappoint a little bit. Um, maybe they didn't have their optimum conditions, but... I just thought it was a fantastic race. Obviously, I'm tremendously biased, though. If Adar doesn't end up the best horse in that race, I'd be I'd be pretty amazed, given the given the way he nicked three or four lengths out of the field in in the blink of an eye, turning for home. And I think he just got tired on that very deep ground against what was probably a pretty dead rail as well. A lot of the winners were coming down the middle of the track. Yeah, that point's been made uh, this morning as well. You look at the foray and Space Blues and how he came winging down the outside um, for William Buick and Charlie Appleby. That's a, a very a very interesting point. I think tactically as well, as you say, it was uh, probably not ideal that he would have had to make that big move in such testing ground, sticky, tiring ground. Um, so I, I think it, they all lose very little in defeat, really. Even chronogenesis, again, that was a bold ride, um, especially coming from the outside, still keeping her out there from Ashim Murphy. And she, she ran another huge, huge race, but everything happened right for Torcasio Tasso uh, yesterday. And I think that's why he managed to win the race. The, there were other fantastic horses in the race. On better ground, maybe the result would have been slightly different. Um, but ultimately, 
you know this is this fantastic result and this is what's happened so hopefully now we just wait to see who can go forward from this yeah and that's the key they've had quite hard races in in testing ground it's not long till the breeders cup beginning in november uh, just about a month away but plenty of horses booked their ticket to that yesterday tarnawa could defend her turf crown rugier the pre de l'opera winner could go to the philly and mare turf space blues could have his Swan Song, according to Charlie Appleby in the Breeders' Cup Mile, he'd be a fascinating contender there before becoming quite an interesting stallion for Dali, I'm sure. Uh, of those, which appeals to you the most, Maddie, if any? Space Blues. Uh, I was hugely impressed with him in the, in the Pre de la Forêt, ridden really confidently by William Buick, and the horse justified that. He's been a bit hit and miss for some people, but his, his record really is quite extraordinary. Um, his turn of foot is remarkable and I think actually um, the Breeders' Cup will suit him really well because the seven furlong horse but he also handles different ground as well you know he won in Riyadh on uh, on good to firm ground their turf sprint there and then he's gone and won a Breed Lafore on heavy ground so he's very adaptable I think the the turns and the nature of the racing out in America will really suit him. A building towards this weekend uh, it looks as though Charlie Appleby is going to run Native Trail in the Dewhurst. Now, if he were to win that race and he would be the favourite, then Appleby is going to chisel even further into that Trainers' Championship lead that Andrew Balding is still holding on to. Yeah, and I think Charlie Appleby has had a fantastic year with all of his horses globetrotting. Um, you know, I'm an international racing lover. It was an incredible time he had um, couple of weeks ago but um and don't forget as well angel blur interestingly rafe beckett said he could run in the dewhurst as well having won the uh, jean-luc lagarder on sunday but i'd i'd be really interested to see angel blur run in a race like the the dewhurst because i think he's been underestimated you know he he handles heavy testing ground but again he's also won on a good firm surface as well and he now, the, the quote from Rafe Beckett was that he's turned into a man now. Perhaps those two, uh, that quick reappearance from Ascot before he won the vintage stakes is what turned him into a man. But I think he, he was under pressure from quite a long way out, actually, in the Lagardère. And yet he just kept responding. And you sense Frankie de Tori always knew he was going to get there. And I, I think he's a really exciting horse. We talked about the Breeders' Cup and horses enhancing their credentials for the turf races. There were two who certainly did that for the Breeders' Cup Classic over the weekend, as if Nick's go needed to. He didn't really, but he was very, very good in his prep in the Grade 3 Lucas Classic at Churchill Downs. Uh, Joel Rosario got him in front early and the final time for a mile and an eighth was 147.85, which was a new stakes record and just outside the track record. So Brad Cox, already with essential quality in the Breeders' Cup Classic, has another fantastic string to his bow and he must be looking forward to Del Mar hugely. I don't know whether Bob Baffert is looking forward to it hugely or not. You know the year that he has had. Medina Spirit, the horse who was first past the post in the Kentucky Derby, came back with a blistering performance in the awesome again stakes at Santa Anita on Saturday. That was another win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup Classic. And leaving aside whether or not Baffert's horses were allowed to participate in the Breeders' Cup and how that narrative may play out, I wanted to know from Brittany Erton, who was on site, whether this horse had now made himself once again a very meaningful contender for the Breeders' Cup's most important race. I think that 
was one of the best, if not the best, performance we've seen from Medina Spirit. And the speed figure backs it up. He got a 107 buyer speed figure. And compare that to the strongest three-year-old stakes buyer speed figure currently, which is a 111 by Hot Rod Charlie in the Pennsylvania Derby, his first grade one victory. But he was facing older. The only thing I would say that really went into his favor would be the pace scenario. There was another pace setter and Tis a Magician that had to check a bit in the early stages. That horse could have been pressing Medina Spirit in the early stages. But what we've seen from this horse and what John Velasquez told me yesterday is he has so much heart and he enjoys the fight. So who knows how quick this horse can go in early stages even if he is battle tested or the whole way around because something is going to have to give Nick come in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So many horses want that forwardly placed position. So many horses are going to stay as well. We know Essential Quality is going to stay all day. We know Medina Spirit's going to stay. We're pretty sure Hot Rod Charlie now is going to stay. This could be a real war. And the three horses we've mentioned filled three of the first four positions in the Kentucky Derby, which is beginning to look like a vintage edition. And this a vintage crop of three-year-olds. An unbelievable crop. And even when you look outside of the Breeders' Cup Classic, how about the Breeders' Cup Sprint? Three-year-old horses dominating there as well. Jackie's Warrior, who's been sensational for Steve Atkinson, and a horse just yesterday, Dr. Shivel for trainer Mark Glatt. He won the Santa Anita Sprint Championship by open length when Flavian Pratt didn't even have his right rein. So there is a lot to like about this three-year-old crop. I think it's one we're going to be talking about for years to come. And what about Life is Good? who is a, a complete freak by the looks of it and whose form ties in with many of the above named as now with Todd Pletcher having missed the bulk of the season and started off life with, with Bob Baffert. Do you think they'll they'll have a dart at the Classic with him or, or cut back and go sprinting? I don't think so. I think they will go to the dirt mile, actually. So stay between the two likely facing that mile winner, Silver State, but he was incredibly impressive in the Kelso, also facing older there. I can't believe I forgot about that three-year-old. Earlier on in the year, probably around February, March, he was the horse. He was the next Triple Crown winner. People were deeming him. He was so impressive. Obviously, had to go to the sidelines for a bit, but it's exciting to see him back and as you said that three-year-old crop really special in so many different divisions so if breeders cup allow bob baffer had to have runners in the event this year and if medina spirit turns up is there any way this horse won't be dominating the headlines again whether people like it or not he will dominate it just by virtue of what's already transpired this year. The current Kentucky Derby winner. Obviously, it's been a roller coaster ride for all of the connections. Fans of the horse, not fans of the horse. Yes, he will dominate a lot of the talk, but. Also, you have so many other talented horses that will be garnering a lot of attention. You've already mentioned them. Essential quality. Hot Rod Charlie has his fan base as well, better known as Chuck. So, yes, Medina Spirit will take some headlines, of course, but his victory was very impressive last time out. He should get some headlines purely off of the performance. But can we keep to that? We shall see. Brittany Erton there on the success of Medina Spirit and this strong crop of US three-year-olds. We would expect quite a bit of transatlantic participation in this week's Tattersall sales taking place in Newmarket. Book one, the elite book, begins tomorrow. I've been catching up with the marketing director, Jimmy George, to see what he's expecting. More than half the catalogue is by the current top 10 sires in Britain and Ireland, and they're a pretty stellar cast themselves. So that's, a, that's an indicator of the quality out there. 
but equally it's important to remember that book one is is not just the preserve of the of the the uber the superpowers um yes that's where they target uh, to find their future hurricane lanes and some marks basilicas and domestic spendings and palace piers but equally it's a sale which has a consistent record for producing very very good horses at very reasonable prices and i think that's very important to remember the likes of native trail yes he's owned by godolphin but he was a 67,000 guinea yearling at book one of the october yearling sale so and and the likes of high clear high clear thoroughbreds there their impressive royal lodge winner group two winner royal patronage cost 62,000 at last year's book one so yeah it's it's uh, it's very much a sell with something for everyone these days okay what are going to be the key themes this week do you think so when we when we finish this week what do you think we're going to be talking about most i hope good solid varied international trade you know that's that's what we want every year it you know, it's a sale that does attract the big guns year after year it's also a sale that's been attracting american buyers in increasing numbers for the last four or five years and they've had enormous success and the, the teams that have, have had the most spectacular success which is the, the the mike ryan chad brown axis and also the liz crow and Bradley Wiseboard team, you know, these are these are guys that have both bought Breeders' Cup winners from the uh, from one of the October yearling sale in the last few years. And uh, in terms of Chad and and Mike, you know, they have the likes of domestic spending flying the flag over over there for them in America. He's the highest rated turfles in America. So I think that will be a feature of the sale. But uh, as I say, equally, we just want solid, steady demand from from not only international participants and the top guys but also the, the the british and irish owners and trainers who are looking for looking for superstars but also aware that if they win a maiden with any of these horses they'll win a twenty thousand pound october book one bonus tattersall's jimmy george and a reminder that this evening i will be playing the next episode of gina bryce's excellent bloodstock bulletin and she's got a terrific cast list of guests including sir mark prescott who tells you what he looks for in a book one yearling. Well, when the dust had settled on the Prix de Light de Triomphe, I kept asking myself, where would Torquato Ortasso find himself in the thoroughbred racing commentary global rankings? Because these things do preoccupy me now, particularly as the second, third, and fourth in the race had all occupied top 10 positions, uh, Hurricane Lane, Tanawa and Adeyar in positions five, six, and seven, respectively. Chronogenesis, who finished seventh yesterday, was in position number 11. And Celiway was last season's champion French two-year-old, though it slipped down the ranking somewhat. James is with me this morning to try and make sense of this. James, the TRC computer must be steaming this morning. Absolutely, yes. The Arc de Triomphe 2021 threw up a, a very interesting problem from how the point of view of how we classify horses and how we react to results such as that of Tarquato Tassa bringing this surprise with all the probable other contenders there lined up behind him, as you say. And to think about this problem, we have to think about the, the horses and how they perform on the track in a structured way. We have to think about a probability distribution. And by that, which I mean, think of male adult heights. We're all familiar with the normal curve. Well, horses' ratings belong to a similar set of, of um, a similar distribution. So Torquato Tasso, this is for a, a peak effort for him. Let's think about that because we know 
We have lots of efforts that, that, that scored slightly less, although he was winning. And for Tantanawa and Hurricane Lane and Adayar, we have figures that are in excess. And what this result really tells us is that on the day, one horse was suited by the conditions, suited by the pace, really threw in everything he can do. And meanwhile, the other horses, whilst not desperately disappointing behind him, were just slightly below their peak. So this tells us two things. It tells us that Torquato Tasso's previous races had not represented the full depth of his ability. And also that we have to put, yes, a little bit more of a ceiling on what Tarnawa, Hurricane Lane and Adayar uh, might be. We have to think of them as being very good horses. And this result changes nothing about what they had done previously. But the fact that a horse could jump up and on his best day exceed what they had done has to make us think that they weren't just quite as good as we might have thought beforehand. And we have to just be a little bit more sober in believing and projecting what they can do. Where do you think the TRC rankings will place Torquato Tasso? Does he immediately go above Hurricane Lane, Tanawa and Adar? I suspect from what you're saying, the answer to that is probably no. Absolutely. Close behind them, because that's what represents the whole distribution of his ratings compared to theirs. So, for example, for Hurricane Lane, people might say, well, you know, what was he rated beforehand? So officially 121. Okay, let's rate the win 124, 125. That all fits in. But the truth is we don't really know how good Hurricane Lane is. Um, he'd won two races, the Ledger and the Grand Prix de Paris, very easily. Similarly with Tarnawa, her efforts, her, her wins had been when she'd come from a, a, with a withering run from off the pace. She could easily have been seven or eight pounds better uh, than we thought. So we have to think about that whole array of each horse's numbers and where they lie on the continuum of racehorse merit. And after this race, I would put it to you that we, we can assume that Torquato Tasso ran his career best effort, but that whole array of his ratings has to be slightly to the left, that is slightly lesser than what Tarnawa, Hurricane Lane and Adayar had done previously. But we still have only fleeting evidence on some of these horses. And that's the very nature of racing. We really never, ever get to, at least on the flat, actually, we never really get to know everything a horse might do so that there's projection involved with all horses. And we have to think of them probabilistically and not as just one single number as a certain sort of handicappers would have you believe. So looking at it in the round, which is, of course, exactly what this ranking system tries to do, neither taking stock exclusively of one blowaway performance, nor just giving horse accrued credit for lots of cheap wins in uncompetitive stakes race. This was a race that had great depth, however. What does this do for a horse, say, like Alpinista, who'd already got a verdict over Torquato Tasso and, and had, had won a group one subsequently? Well, that was very, very well put, if I may say. And it means that, that her, our estimation of hers and that distribution that I'm talking about has to be shifted. We have to now regard her with fresh eyes. She absolutely hammered Torquato Tasso. Now, she herself has got form, which sort of makes you think that she's not suddenly become a world champion. But we have to shift that distribution up because when horses run against each other in future, the whole object of the exercise is that we're trying to minimize the error that we make. So we, to, to do that with her, with Alpinista, we have to now regard her as being slightly better than we thought before, but we mustn't get too carried away.
All right, James, it's going to be a big drum roll job over the cornflakes tomorrow morning because that's when we will find out where the, where the TRC machine has placed the double T. It, in your extensive study of this, given the fact that you formulated the algorithm, um, where's he going to sit? Well, the, the question I can't really answer is, will he be ranked higher or lower than chronogenesis? I'm pretty confident that he'll be ranked lower than Tarnawa and Hurricane Lane and Adayar. But what would you think, Nick? You know about all, all chronogenesis' form. Would you think in a straight match race between these two horses under conditions which somehow favoured both, which horse would you, would you make favourite? Well, I think, I think from, from what I've seen of your system that TRC is going to rank this horse reasonably highly uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's beaten three horses in the top 10 and four horses in the top 11. Um, seemingly on the square, and none of those horses have massively disappointed. It's not like they all blew out the back and he's beaten two, two rags. So notwithstanding the extreme going conditions, I think the computer will look favourably upon that. I think it would be um, unlikely that he'll be placed above Hurricane Lane, Tanawa and Adeyar, but I, w- I wouldn't be at all surprised if he snuck into the top 10. Yeah, that's very sound reasoning. I see it very similarly uh, myself. Uh, we're asking a question mathematically. Just to remind new listeners, this is an automated system. In other words, the human put together the rules, but then the computer applies those rules fairly and equally to all horses, wherever they are. And one point I'd like to make is, in rating this race, we can't get bogged down, no pun intended, in the ground, because we have to look at the the result as an entity between horses. Now, soft, heavy ground stretches out distances, but we can't reject a result or accept it according to whether we thought that the ground made it a sort of, quotes, fairer test. We have to look at these things equally and evenly. And, and it seemed to me that plenty of horses did give their running in the arc. And, and it's a result, really, that we shouldn't reject. We should take seriously. It tells us lots of interesting things about German blood, about the nature of competition beforehand, because Torquato Tasso's ability, I think it really had been hidden somewhat. So I agree with you. I think we'll probably see him somewhere around where chronogenesis is now. I don't know higher or lower. I suspect probably higher because his form's more recent, whereas now we've seen chronogenesis's form disappear a bit into the distance. So maybe nine, ten, somewhere like that. But I'll leave it to the computer, as I always do, and the results will be published on thoroughbredracing.com tomorrow from about 8am. Just before you go, quick one. Did you see Medina Spirit? Uh, That is a very fascinating point that we could fill another 20 minutes with the, the u.s thoroughbreds they all make such perfect sense they all slot together just beautifully don't they and the form of essential quality has been bolstered time and time and time again the question is has medina spirit himself taken his game to a whole new level we've seen this before with horses around this time of year in america it's very very exciting I think the Breeders' Cup Classic is going to be one for the ages. Let's hope they all turn up. Let's hope that uh, they gave their running and we'll really have a show down there. All right, little bonus rankings edition there from James. He will be back on Friday with details of Torquato Tasso's final position. Uh, Maddie is back. You don't have to give us a 100 to 1 winner today, Maddie. Anything will do. Yeah, I'm going to play it a little bit safe today, Nick. I always try and look at something a little bit out of the box but given yesterday I'm going to go for Galata Bridge in the 252 at Stratford. This ground will be a little bit of a, a question mark but I just think he's he's 
hugely talented and he should have what it takes to beat Samba Dansa. I'm surprised he's not a little bit shorter, actually. Uh, famous last words. But uh, yeah, Galata Bridge for me. Maddie, thanks so much. Thank you for listening. That was Monday, October the 4th. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.